And welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we talk about movies, trailers, TV shows, and the latest season update of Fortnite. My name is Emmett, and I'm joined today by my effervescent and avid 90s cranker, Ivan. I'm not sure what a 90s cranker necessarily is, but... Where you crank 90s, bruh. I, I guess, I guess, yeah. I still, I still got my VHS collection. <laughs> uh, what are you thinking movies. about the new season? I've spent all of two hours playing the mm-hmm. new season, and so far, I mean, I I don't really have too many complaints, but battle it's very... pass? Like in the battle pass? No, I, I think the season's pretty good. I, I know there was a lot of people complaining that it um, kind of was a little bit of an overhaul in some areas, and I do feel like there's some things that I'm not um, very happy about, but I I haven't really... I feel like I don't have a lot to complain about. Uh, yeah, it's a very different game now. I don't know if I'm into it. You have to build your upgrades. Uh, they changed up the whole inventory system. Uh, it's not friendly to the average user anymore. The person who works 40 hours a week and then puts one or two hours in on the weekends. Was it ever, though? <laughs> yeah, because they kept it the same for so long where like those couple hours added up. True. True. I don't know. Like, I just don't see too too big of a change on the mechanics. It's just like the addition of like wild animals and was yeah. it boars and wolves attacking you now? There's and then frogs and chickens. Oh, I, I love the chickens. <laughs> the chickens remind me of like Legend of Zelda. I forgot which game exactly yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. But you'd pick up the chickens and you can also float. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, cool. But yeah, like it's it, like to me it's not it's not that bad, but I, I can see why people would be frustrated with it. Um but who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm going to try to give it a shot. At least get to level 100 and see what happens. But oh, you didn't you didn't pay for the levels. <laughs> you usually do. Um, that was just one time. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I needed to get that best car armor. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing incentivizing me to do it this time. You have to earn the best car. You can't just be given it. It's the, well, by the way, what is it with Fortnite and just like lightly sprinkling DC characters here and there, but never fully committing? Like they gave Marvel a huge thing by like dedicating a whole season to them, but DC gets like one character randomly here and there. Hey, that's a great segue into the new segment. Justice League just dropped. Did it really? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I thought it noticed. dropped last week. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't noticed. Well, if you were watching Tom and Jerry last week, you mm. you've seen the, the Snyder cut at this point already, um, and I don't mean that as like any sort of insult. Like th- there was legitimately an issue with um, folks who were trying to watch Tom and Jerry last week that actually were fed the Snyder cut about 15 minutes into the, into watching Tom and Jerry. So, um, th- this this movie, dude, uh, what is it like? What are we four or five years in in the making of uh of releasing this thing at this point? Yeah, about four, I think. I think right from the time that people got a very negative reaction to Joss Whedon's cut of Justice League, the, the release the Snyder cut campaign launch. So, yeah, it's insane that. Well, 
not not insane. I, l- let me rephrase it a little bit. I think between this and the Sonic situation, I think we've come to an age where studios are actually listening to what people want. And while I'm on board with it, I am also kind of fearful because sometimes people want stupid things. <laughs> and um, you know, in this case, I, I I was happy to see that the studio was able to listen and actually gave people what they wanted. What are you like? Uh, socialism for movies? This is the free market, man. Supply and <laughs> demand. If people want to watch it, we should be given it. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. But you you know how often like, and I, I guess this is more of a Warner Brothers issue. But like, I feel like the, there's always been a big complaint of like DC refocuses just based on the reaction to that one movie. So. If one movie does well, they're like, all right, all our movies are going to be this way. <laughs> yeah, DC is very... I've always thought, or I guess Warner Brothers, not DC, but uh, they are very like aware and tapped into the pulse of the fans and make very quick adjustments as opposed to being like, we have a vision, just stick with us, it's going to work out, uh, like Marvel was able to accomplish. But uh, let's, uh, let's save our thoughts on that. We are going to do an episode on it, so... Uh, We'll probably be dropping that later this week. Um, four hours, but, right? Yeah, it's a four-hour podcast to match the level of the movie. But this is kind of a cool, uh, you know, not getting into the movie, but just that it. you said the HBO crashed, right? Yeah, so the night of release, um, and mind you, this is where I get a little salty about things because... They released it at midnight Pacific time, which for anybody on the East Coast wanting to do that, that's 3 a.m. So 3 a.m. for a four hour movie. You're not going to need to sleep that night. Anyway, um, yeah, the servers, the servers crashed about 10 minutes into release, which is great and also terrible. Right. Because like if you're watching it, you're you want to watch the movie. But it's great because it shows such a huge influx of viewership into HBO Max something that Warner Media has been struggling with over the last year. I feel like they they were very disappointed with the launch of it because the numbers were just so dismal, especially when you compare it to Disney Plus or uh, or even Netflix's launch. But this drove up subscriptions by quite a bit and it seems like there's no denying the fact that the 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 conversations over on Twitter, on Instagram and all of the social channels for the Snyder cut seem to have generated into dollar signs for for HBO Max at least. So I gotta wonder though, between that and w- the reactions that we have gotten for the movie, like I wonder if Warner Brothers is now double thinking their strategy on saying this is a one and done kind of thing for for Zack Snyder. Who knows? You, you know, we'll only time will tell. But I just I think it's interesting because when you have this big of an effect, you can't fault a business for doing a double take here. Yeah, it is gonna uh, be interesting to see how this plays out if. Warner Brothers continues to pursue this vision of Zack Snyder or um, or maybe just call it where it is and just continue pumping out the individual movies. Give us a six hour cut of the Justice League. Let's do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a couple extra hours on Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Just Wonder Woman. That's it. <laughs> Give us a subplot with her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so for for our thoughts on that, um, we'll we'll be sharing those shortly. Um, I think I have a lot to say on it. Um, you and I were texting back and forth as we were watching the movie. Well, you were texting me back and forth when, when you were watching it because I feel like I got I tried to do it through one sitting and I'm like, oh, I know he's probably not watching it yet. So we, you know, I'm I'm excited to get 
into that discussion. But you know, like I said, we'll we'll we'll, we'll have that conversation in its own space. Definitely. But for today, let's talk about uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which not to be uh, outshined during the same week release of Justice League also came out. Uh, so let's get into some spoiler-free thoughts in case anyone hasn't seen it. What was uh, what was your initial take off of this first episode? Well, I thought this was a solid start to the series. Very, very true to form Marvel, you know, a bit formulaic, but at the same time, it's kind of treading new ground. Um, there was a bit of a political undertone and very much getting into like social themes of it. It almost feels like we're looking at the MCU through a new lens while staying as grounded as we can, right? Because this this show seems like it's MCU, but it's also a bit more grounded than what we're used to. Uh, but it felt very familiar, at least for me. Like, I, I think this might be um, a very, very good opportunity for us to do what, what, what Marvel did to, to Wanda and for Vision, but for Falcon and Winter Soldier, which up to this point... Um, yeah, we didn't really get these characters fleshed out, and I really enjoyed this first episode. I thought it was an excellent entry, and I'm excited for to see more. Yeah, I can only echo those thoughts. I'm very excited to see where this series goes. It seems like it's going to have a really well-written-out plot, just looking at um, what we've seen in the trailer and then what we, re- what we received in the first episode. Um, and I totally agree. I think this is going to be a great opportunity to take two you know, B- or C-tier MCU heroes uh, that really only had their screen time closely tied to Steve Rogers. Um, And they're both victims of the blip. So we didn't get to see them at all in Endgame, except for the very end of that. Uh, So I I think it's going to be interesting to see how do they stand up on their own. Uh, So for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, and this won't give anything away, but it's just that it follows the timeline of after the blip. It's at a couple months after the Tony Stark funeral. So, that's the area that we're going to be following. And of course we'll be getting like little flashbacks into their history. Uh, we'll get to learn a little bit more about their, like what they did outside of the Avengers, like their individual families or friends or whatever their circles were. And then uh, obviously what they're trying to do now in a world that half the, half the population has just instantly come back. This show also parallels with far from home, apparently because where WandaVision took place just a few weeks after the end of end game, this show is about six months after, which lines up where we are with uh, with Far From Home. So does that mean Doctor Strange is in this one? It means <laughs> Mephisto is right around the corner. Ooh, excellent. <laughs> this show is actually called Mephisto and the Winter Mephisto. So, <laughs> so stay tuned. So let's get into some scenes and uh, some character moments that we uh, that we enjoyed from this episode. So these will have spoilers in it. So if you haven't seen the the show yet and you still plan to, probably hit pause now and then return after you're done. Otherwise, uh, you've been warned. Mephisto's in the show. Ha. Ha, okay, ha, you got to give it more of a pause before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's start with Falcon because he comes first on the. Uh, on the name. Oh uh, yeah, it's 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 technically his show on the marquee, way, right? <laughs> um, then, I guess it is kind. I don't know if I don't know if you can pick one of them to be like it's their show. He's the most interesting one of the two. <laughs> wow. Okay. You don't think a hundred and six year old man no. going on a date to playing Battleship is not the most no. interesting? <laughs> no, it's not. It's boring. Right. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll make the counter case when we get to uh, Bucky, but let's start with Falcon. 
<laughs> no, I actually, I agree. I don't, I don't know which one of these two is more interesting because I feel like th- that intro action sequence with the Falcon. Oh my mm-hmm. god! Yeah, I, you know, we, we saw glimpses of it in the trailer, but like, geez, this was like this is your dollars at work over there at at, at Disney, right? Because for a second there, I was like, this feels like I should be watching it on a big screen. Yeah, this whole episode was what fifty-two minutes runtime, which includes credits. It felt um, like twelve minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was like at minute eleven when the like, the fight sequence ended, and that's a pretty long time to devote to one fight sequence. And I'm sure the budget was huge for that because it's it looked like a lot of it would have been on set, like on scene, and then probably a little bit was CGI. Right, and th- this this whole thing felt exactly like the beginning of winter soldier where you also had a a big um action sequence on on the boat i think yeah and it kind of echoes it because in both of them steve jumps off of um stumps jumps off of the airplane in winter soldier without a jet uh, without a jetpack without yeah. a parachute and here falcon pretty much does the same thing right and then they actually are both fighting the same villain too yeah, <laughs> Batroc the Leaper makes a makes a return, which I didn't think we would see him again. That sounds like a um, like an Irish step dancers. Yeah, right. Evil, <laughs> evil counterpart. You should see his his comic book look. For anybody interested, in just just Google Batroc the Leaper, and he's like the most like stereotypical French looking guy with like the the most like pointed mustache the definition of mustache twirling villain from from the comics so it just it, it's kind of funny to see Marvel kind of pull random little C-list villains here and there not, not even C-list this might be like a D-list villain. I think it's lower yeah yeah but he was actually an MMA fighter that I think Chris Evans got to fight in like stage fighting obviously but got to fight in Winter Soldier he did. I don't know why I thought he was killed off in in, in Winter Soldier, but I just I, captured. I, I think. Yeah, he was just captured by by Shield. So I don't. Steve doesn't you know, kill. Steve is a good guy. Uh, I mean, he kicks pretty hard. I'm pretty sure some of them either suffered broken backs or something in in that movie. I was being sarcastic. Steve oh, Rogers okay. is the worst. <laughs> hey, he's a great American. You take that right back, <laughs> and he's gone. He's busy. He's not gone. He's he's out there somewhere. On the AARP line. Yeah, what did you think about the uh, the conversation between Falcon and, I don't know, I didn't catch his name, but the soldier who was like his boots on the ground guy, um, when they were like talking about, is a Steve on the moon or something like that? I took it as like an Easter egg for Uatu, the Watcher, who is the big-headed Watcher character from... Uh... From the comics, I thought that was like a little nod to him. But at the same time, and I think I texted you this after I saw it, but I'm like, are they maybe alluding that Steve might be with um with Nick Fury? Because that's the only character I can think of that's off in space in a station of some sort. I'm so scared to make big predictions like that because I would put stock into it. It's certainly possible. I will not rule any out, like roll anything out at this point. But I almost am just gonna accept whatever people say. Um, as the truth, just because it kind of played out that way in Wandavision. Yeah, I, I feel like, and and I'm not like I'm not saying that that's legitimately what's going to happen with the series, but it's just interesting to me that it, they talk about him like he's dead, but there's also no confirmation. You think you think he's dead? Yeah, I mean, I thought he came back to give the shield back, and he and waited just long dies. enough after Peggy died 
in his timeline. So I guess that also needs to be confirmed too, is that um, the Russo brothers or whatever have said that Steve came back, switched back over to the our regular timeline after returning all the stones, but as an old man, he'd flip back over. Yeah, I mean, it. it I I don't know where they're going with with Steve's story, right? Because like I always I subscribe to the whole thing of like if there's no body, there's no death situation. <laughs> yeah. Um. And Mace Windu. Yeah. Yeah. Although that's what got us Snoke theories, though. That's the danger of no body, no. <laughs> No, but so what I mean is like I, I feel like they're 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 tying it up to you know oh he's I feel like that that's the public spin like to the public Steve is dead right because like you don't like what does the public know they know that there was this big fight with Thanos a uh, couple like the the Avengers went and fought them some of them didn't come back and while Steve might be in another timeline somewhere to the public they don't know that they don't know that he aged he went back to be with uh with peggy and then came back as an old man like to them he, he's probably dead yeah i wonder if the public knows about time travel i i doubt it i feel like that's a dangerous thing to be like it is possible <laughs> i think roadie scene was next where sam delivers a what is almost a eulogy slash just a donation to the smithsonian where he gives back the the shield of Captain America's mantle, and Rhodey is like, "Why didn't you just take up the mantle like Steve wanted you to do it?" Yeah, he kind of went into him a little bit after after that whole speech. I like Rhodey's bit here. Uh, does this make him the second person to be in all four phases after uh, Paul Bettany? Maybe was Cer- it certainly the character, but when was Iron Man two? Uh, Iron Man two. Well, I want to say that was Phase two. Yeah, it might have been. No, 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 no. Because Phase one didn't finish until Avengers, and Iron Man two was pre Avengers. So I think you're right. So good on Rhodey then. Um, seeing a long-standing Avenger uh, get to be around for this, but yeah, I thought it was cool that Rhodey's in this, and he like pushes Sam a little bit, being like, "You should just like you need to be our leader." Like. Steve wanted you and trusted you and had faith in you. And I get Sam's point of view of being like, the first thing I said was, this feels like it's someone else's shield. But I don't know. You're allowed to have a little self-doubt and still be Captain America. Yeah. I also feel like uh, Rhodey being there was was pretty... Also, one thing, and I guess it kind of escaped my mind, but they're both members of the Air Force. I don't know why I I didn't think that um, uh, Sam was not a member of the Air Force, but... Uh, it, it, it makes sense that that uh, Rhodey would be there at the ceremony, uh, but it, it, it's also like um, th- there's there's been an arc with Rhodey, right? Like he starts off the whole his MCU storyline as being very pro-military, very a part of the system, and then it's not until Avengers was it Endgame or Infinity War where he kind of just realizes i guess that he maybe not the decision that's made by by the government is right that's where he chooses to defy what's his name um general ross and just secretary oh yeah secretary ross (laughs) yeah that was at uh infinity war yeah so he's had i feel like more than anyone else roadie would know that the government's probably going to take that shield and do something else with it or like not the right person to entrust it to so if if steve handed it to to, to Sam, then he, 
I think that's one of the reasons why he strongly feels like it should have stayed with him. Yeah, it's almost like if you're willing to follow Steve in any mission throughout the history of like you guys knowing each other, why are you not willing to trust him on this one that you are the right pick? It's kind of a weird like it's a weird thing that Sam probably didn't think about, but it does show that like Sam I keep saying Sam, but it's the the Falcon. Um it does show that he has such a like a big respect for the mantle and knows that it's it's bigger than just any one person kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably going to be his transition in the show. It's like, where do we take him from his self-doubt and from his uh, ability, I guess, to see himself in that in those shoes? Yeah. Because um, there's a lot of talk of, um, and interestingly enough, right, like we throughout this whole series, I say this series, it's, it's just one episode <laughs> throughout this episode. There's multiple characters that make the or, or call out that the world is heavily divided after people came back from from the blip. Yeah. I like that we're getting into that. Like, I like that we're not just like rushing it over and they're like, all right, well, that happened. Let's move on. Uh, we're seeing the ramifications of bringing people back the, in a good way and a negative way, right? Like, we saw the negative with um, with uh, Monica Rambo's story in in WandaVision, and then we see some of the positive here in 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 the uh, in one of the opening sequences here with Falcon. You see somebody in. Was it Tunisia where, where they were in? Uh, thank him for bringing his, his wife back to him yeah. over the blip. So you see the positives and the negatives, and I like that Marvel's exploring that and not just letting that little plot go because it's a huge event. Yeah, I do like that they're incorporating it into these into this phase because it is something that I almost take for granted and kind of forget that it happened just because we were there for the... Right. Like It's like the audience survived the blip, you know? So it doesn't feel like any time was lost or anything like that, but it is cool to see them, you know, dive into those perspectives of the good and bad, like you said. And it's 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 funny how we were at this point, I guess, in, in the MCU where there's so much material to kind of reference back to here, but I feel like with this show, it almost feels like this was the natural successor to be whatever the new phase of Marvel ends up being, right? And set the tone for it. Because um, this might be the show that actually addresses the blip the most, just from the starting point. Yeah, because Wanda was in her own world. So the only blip references came from people outside of her world. Right. And then Loki is definitely going to be doing off, like off doing his own thing. And that, we don't even know what timeline that's in. That might even just be a different reality. Right. Uh, so yeah, I think this is going to be the show to address, you know, the individual, like the the mac uh, micro level, as opposed to, and the macro, I guess, of like what does this sh- like tectonic shift of time uh, do to people? I have a feeling there's like a lot of villain, sorry, villain origin stories that are going to come up from the blip. <laughs> Well, Rhodey said it, yeah. He's like, allies have become enemies and alliances have broken. Like, it's going to be the normal enemies that that they had to fight. But now it's also going to be people that they thought were their friend turning on them. We get into a lot with Falcon here because he, we get to see his family, which I don't think we've ever seen before or even like had them call it. Like, I'm I'm sure there's been a line or two about referencing his, his, uh, maybe his father, if I remember correctly, in Civil War. But, this is the most we've seen of anything outside of the Avengers scope with, with Falcon. Yeah, I don't think I remember that, if that did happen. 
So it must have been either really small or it didn't happen, which is kind of cool. Like we were saying before, like we get to dive into these characters' histories and he has his own family, uh, not like his family, but his, his sister is his family and she has well, or two babies when he was blipped away. He comes back and they're grown up kids. Yeah, that's got to be tough. But it's interesting to see. So he basically, I guess, the subplot for for his family is um, his sister's been having a rough time. He's looking to kind of help her out. Uh, and part of her plan is to sell uh, the family home. And it sounds like the family boat, which he's trying to prevent. So uh, we get into, I, I guess, like a, a really weird, uh, not really weird, but like a really odd segue into the financial side <laughs> of, of the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so basically uh the the human torch was denied a bank loan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was copied and pasted into this. So they can't get a loan from the bank to refurbish the boat and expand their business because Sam doesn't have any financials for the past 5 years, but he's been gone, so how could he? Which is just like the classic like red tape that you have to cut and and get through in the system uh which is kind of sad too because it's like he's a a veteran an active a current active uh air force soldier and also an ex-avenger and he can't get a little like leeway like on good faith yeah and it's also kind of surprising i guess these are things i never really like even questioned i guess which is like are they how are the avengers paid are they paid like what is that how does that look like um, and it turns out, no, they're not paid. <laughs> a lot of that is, is like Sam put it, goodwill. Um, which I guess, like, I, that's just something I never thought I wanted to know. But now I'm like, wait, <laughs> how are you guys living <laughs> off? But I guess to note, maybe maybe they were paid, but because he was part of Captain America's faction that kind of splintered off, he was also on the run before the snap happened. So... I'm pretty yeah. sure his credit is all messed up too. <laughs> Not to get yeah. into the they, weeds on that. Do they really need to get paid though if you're living in the Avengers complex? Like that thing was <laughs> massive. True. I just thought, you know, maybe they do get paid once like the government starts to like Yeah, you get what I mean? Like I'm sure there's something. And you gotta file that on your taxes as an independent contractor. It's a whole mess. There's no fund for them either. Like Tony, come on, bro. Like what? You know you could shell out a few dollars. Why does Tony need to pay for it though? He already bought the complex. He built everyone's tech. Because Tony's the money bags and all this. But Tony's the Batman. That's unfair though. <laughs> like they continually just tapping into him. I mean, come on. <laughs> In a fictional world where he's that filthy rich, he, he could just give them one of his Iron Man suits and it's like, here, sell one of this, and that should cover your rent for like the next 70 years. I'm just asking, how much is enough, though? Like, what salary does he, what does Tony have to put him on? He already bought him a house. He built him a whole new flight suit. Um, and, and we're talking about Falcon, who paralyzed Rhodey. Base pay 70, base pay 70K. Come on. Come on. Signing Tony. bonus. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing. To, benefits. It is an interesting thing to think about, though, right? Like, like in the world of superheroics, like, who pays you? Do you get paid? Like, how do you? Is it exploitation if you get paid for? I like the Guardians of the Galaxy way, where it's like, you you save somebody, and you know maybe they toss a little cheddar your way, and if they don't, <laughs> we'll take a ship. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <little> bingo. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it, it it was an interesting scene though, and and I know that there is like um, allusions to like the. Or they allude to like maybe it's 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 more of a social issue with them not getting their um, approval. It certainly for a felt while. like that. Like it, the, it wasn't just about money. It kind of felt like right because they mentioned that their their dad was, or at least their family has been banking with them for years. And I I, I gotta figure like even in like thinking back on like on my kind of thing. And again, this is a really really bad false equivalence here because like I'm I'm just comparing it to my situation but i'm like if, if i'm banking at a bank for for a number of years i would hope that at least that establishes some good faith that uh you know the folks in my family are able to kind of hold up their end of the of whatever loan or bargain i'm able to get um so i, I it's just one of those things where like again kind of like poking at the fact that institutions may be rigged a little bit against certain people yeah is that it for falcon i feel like there was maybe a little bit more tied into um, I guess we should talk about. Measures, I think we should talk a little bit about Joaquin Torres. Yeah, because that's one thing, and I don't know if they mentioned his first name off off the cuff because I I don't remember them actually. I know they 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 called him Torres, but um, this I is know the soldier, right? Yeah, this is the yeah, this yeah. is the okay, soldier. Then, that's his name. Yeah. So yeah, so he is a character from the comics. His name is Joaquin Torres. He's actually supposed to be the second iteration of Falcon. In the comics, he's more of a new character because he took up the mantle after Falcon basically takes up the mantle of Captain America. And I, I liked him. I thought he he came across really well. I actually was kind of fearing that they were about to kill him off <laughs> in this in this same episode. Came pretty close to that when uh, when he was fighting the Flag Smashers. That subplot has me very very intrigued because the way that they brought it up was very casual and very much like, hey, by the way, uh, yeah, it's. A very interesting plot to introduce on the DL in this episode, because according to the trailers, this is going to be the big bad of the series. These are the guys who want um, basically to revert back to the time of the blip and thought the world was better off with half the population. So it is interesting that it's like one guy is tracking them online and just reporting it up to Falcon, who's like half-heartedly taking it seriously. Yeah, he doesn't read it as a threat, more of like a whole like... I guess like just another propagandist group that that's kind of formed. Um, again, like very, a very timely thing to kind of bring up um, in the MCU, but it's um, I, I feel like the the setup was really nice and very subtle and not very in your face for the first episode. I feel like this character is going to have a significant role uh, for the series. I I really like the charisma and the and the chemistry that he and Sam had. Yeah. Uh, because it very much seems like he's found somebody to kind of mentor. Yeah, and he's a you know a current soldier, and Sam does really well with veterans. We've were first introduced to him as a as a VA, right? Right. So we, you know, it's I really like the introduction of this character. I feel like not not just in the scope of like what the potential for him is in the future, but I feel like it, this is the kind of thing that I. Like, even going back to WandaVision and talking about Jimmy Woo, like, these characters are the ones that kind of, for me, are kind of representative of that, the blood flow, I guess, of the MCU. Like, where are they going to take this? Like, what are, when is he going to pop up again? But this it's, is a new one. This isn't, like, a Jimmy Woo where it's, like, no, a small but role has been built up. Like, this is going to be a small role now and eventually be yeah later kind of a thing. Right. 
But I, I don't know why. Like, I really like looking at these characters that get introduced. Because even someone like Sharon Carter, right? Like, I was going to say, I think she's more of the Jimmy Woo in this one, where she was mildly used in in previous movies and will be a bigger role in this one. Yeah. I feel like they're, they're testing the waters with this character, though. Like, I'm sure he'll be popping up in other uh, in other shows or, or or even movies, depending on how this series goes. Yeah. Do you actually want to uh, go to the Flag Smashers now, just because it's kind of connected to Torres's character, and then we can maybe revisit yeah. Bucky at the end? So we we kind of describe what the Flag Smashers are about. They're about reverting back to the time of the blip, um, and it seems like they are doing a lot of like online recruiting. And I guess they are robbing a bank in the part where Torres's character meets them in person. And they have this interesting plot of, or I guess plan of everyone put on a, a mask and that'll make the getaway of the actual bank robber easier in the street if everyone runs around. Uh, and everyone did that, no questions asked, <laughs> which was kind of uh, well organized for people that have never met. Yeah, off of an app of some kind. If, if I... <laughs> Right, because like that's a, they all gathered around, and then like the they're all looking at their phones. Yeah, and then some woman comes in with a duffel bag, which I, I believe is the um, Enfys Nest. Enfys Nest, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what her character's name in in this show is. We don't is, know but... yet, but we're gonna keep calling her that even when we do learn her name. <laughs> <laughs> she better she better get a staff somewhere and show us some of those moves again. But she she starts distributing these masks, and I guess the the whole thing is like basically to create a distraction. For, so they can get away with the with the money. At least that's kind of how it seems to have been playing out. Yeah, that was exactly it. And one man uh, breaks out of like a second or third story window and land like does a superhero landing on the ground, and then kind of beats Torres to an inch of his life in the streets, which uh, which was a little scary that we might lose him in the first episode. Yeah, I thought for sure he was dead at that point because I'm like, oh, okay, he's about to get the boot. <laughs> like, that's not, you don't stomp on somebody's head and like, you know, survive. I guess, especially with somebody that seems to have like super strength. Like, yeah, maybe... so that's what uh, Falcon was saying at the end when Torres was like, "You don't think that he's," and then they didn't say it. Uh, I guess they wanted to avoid saying that he's got superhero genes. Yeah, it it it, it almost kind of seems like Captain America level. Uh, super strength yeah which leads me to think about certain connections because you know this is a this is a captain america uh based or centric i guess uh series wonder if we're gonna get into some of the subplots that we didn't get with him like the weapons plus program uh stuff like that from the comics where there's always like subplots of, of people trying to replicate that Captain America super soldier serum. So I wonder if that there's an element at play there uh, with this group. Um, it certainly can be the case, especially given the ending of this episode. Yeah. Do you have any like uh, not to spoil our prediction section, but do you have any guesses as to who the masked man was? I don't. Um I I know that in in the, in the comics, uh, the Flag Smasher is an individual character. He's like one man, uh, and over here they've converted him into some sort of movement. So, if it follows that storyline a bit, I I do I am willing to bet that we're going to get some sort of allusion to like the the Weapons Plus program and the creation of some new Super Soldier Serum. Um, 
But whatever's happening with them, I think, is directly tied to that last scene of this episode, which I don't know if you want to get into that just yet, or we should hold off. Until... Hold off on that. Um, okay. Yeah, it. they really could go anyway. I thought, uh, just like my initial stuff I've heard, I thought this might be that Dimitri character that we saw in Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, oh, the um, the, ru- the bus the rush driver, driver, yeah, who works for Shield. He has the same hair, um, and he, I guess he's part of like the Sinister Six. And I, when we were looking for the pregame episode, and I was looking up Falcon's history. I saw there was some crossover between the two, uh, and I thought I heard that he was making a comeback into the series. Not this one, or like I didn't hear which one specifically, but I thought I heard that his character would get rebooted at some point. There is speculation as to who the villain for Spider-Man 3 is. And I know Craven the Hunter's name was tossed around. Isn't he the same? No, so Dimitri... His brother? Is his brother, yeah. Right, okay. So there could be... That, that's an interesting call-out, because it, it, it could be tied together like that. Because it, it, I wouldn't put it past Marvel to, to put him there. Because in the comics, Dimitri doesn't really have that significant a role other than being like involved with, like, the mob, and I'm trying to remember who his. Um, I Which think is where Falcon had... got his start from in the comics, not in right. MCU. So maybe they work that in. And if this is the same time as Far From Home, it maybe isn't that crazy to introduce him here. Either this is just after Far From Home or just before Far From Home. Yeah, I think Marvel does such a good job with connecting all their movies, and I'm assuming these shows are going to be really well connected. He seemed like he was going to be more important than just being used as a bus driver in that movie. He has the physique to be a more interesting villain, for sure. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, but let's get into Bucky's character, if you want to lead us off with that, because I feel like that was another like big chunk of this episode. And while we, while the two characters didn't cross paths in the show, I thought it was a very nice balance of screen time between the two. Yeah, it's really well shared amount of time between the two, even accounting for the... 12-minute fight sequence that Falcon got to kick off the the beginning of this episode. I probably wouldn't a little bit more of Bucky, but we're introduced to him in this episode via dream sequence where he is, remember, pursuing one of his targets uh, while he was the Winter Soldier, and I'm guessing like it was a Russian person or something like that. Uh, doesn't really matter who it was because he was immediately eliminated, and then... Uh, for whatever reason, there's uh, one man who didn't want to go to happy hour to close out the bar. He wanted to go back to his room, but didn't quite make it. And then uh, Bucky, as the Winter Soldier, just takes him out because he was a witness. Uh, and then that immediately segues into like a therapy session with, uh, I guess he's doing like state mandate or federally mandated therapy as part of his pardon. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> that's some rough um, what, the therapy or <laughs> the random guy in the in the hall all of it <laughs> <laughs> i thought the therapy session was like it was really serious and really good to hear him just talk because we only ever really get to see him fight but i also thought there was like some threads of comedy in there when like he refused he was just like either lying about having a nightmare or whatever and then she just like takes out the pad of paper and he's like okay get this this again like <laughs> <laughs> I think he's gonna be a really funny character in this show. Yeah, he had he had a really he, he had some really nice bits with the, with the therapist, and I feel like 
they um they they play out that whole it was almost surprising when when that scene started popping up when he the flashback scene where he's going after his target because it took me a minute to figure out like oh wait no this is meant to be a flashback i thought i, know, it was, I was like wait is he back to his old ways what's going on <laughs> yeah i was like oh no not again <laughs> yeah but i think what was one interesting bit in the therapy session was when he said there was a time where i got just a little bit of calm in wakanda and then he told her that he just wants peace and i mean I think that's true, despite the therapist saying that that was BS. I'm putting BS nicely. She maybe said the words. <laughs> uh, but I also think maybe she is right. Like, he can't be alone because then he's just alone with his, with his thoughts and memories. And that's what will just keep him like in this vicious downward spiral. It's funny because in Civil War, no, sorry, not Civil War, in, in Winter Soldier, when we meet um sam he's actually a counselor for a lot of these soldiers suffering from ptsd so it's almost like they're meant to be together to to kind of like help each other get over the the stigma that either of them have that's a great point i didn't even i didn't even put those together but i i can't believe i didn't see that that's great it's also like the one my biggest takeaway from this from that whole sequence though i'm never missing happy hour again <laughs> no, you always close out the bar what was this guy doing i know i was like okay well that that was me in my early 20s <laughs> <laughs> good thing i didn't get shot anywhere <laughs> um no but like it's a bit of an interesting thing to see how guilty he kind of feels over it and it's got to be like a brutal thing to know that you're basically haunted by all these people that you've killed yeah, so then he goes from the therapy session to lunch with an elderly man named Yori, uh, I guess as a neighbor or just somebody he met. But uh, it's funny that he spends most of his time with older people and not like going out and meeting people. Because um, that was one point that the therapist made was like, you're like, look at your phone. It's sad. You don't have like more than 10 contacts and you have one person texting you and you've been ignoring them well he made the right call because yori's the perfect wingman apparently yeah yori set him up I, like i gotta go out to lunch with yori yeah for real <laughs> so, so bucky scores a hot date who doesn't want to play pinochle but was okay with playing battleship <laughs> beer uh, and battleship best combo yeah i mean he was putting it away and they were tiger beer <laughs> Uh, for real a um a brand of indonesia i've been to the factory wait what <laughs> is it really yeah oh damn you see I, I don't i don't know my beers all too well so anytime you drop any sort of knowledge like this i'm like oh yeah i went all the way across the world to go to one beer tour <laughs> great time though uh but yeah so they have a very nice conversation between the two and it seems like he's um you know taking the therapist's advice and trying to just put himself out there a little bit but then she mentions that yori is like not been the same since his son had passed away uh unexplainedly and that pushed bucky over the edge for whatever reason and then he left and went back to yori's apartment and we see like this shrine to his son and it's the same kid that was who didn't close out the bar and was part was in that dream sequence. 
Yeah, so obviously he sought he, he sought out a friendship with this man, right? Like he he deliberately went to try to make amends, and I guess I guess to, to some degree watching over him for a bit in as like recompense. Yeah, I I don't know about you, but I actually like choked up, and I like it was too painful as soon as I saw the shrine. I don't know why I couldn't put it together uh, before that moment, but as soon as it hit, I was I was I had to push pause for a little bit on that one. I would feel bad about it more if the guy didn't miss happy hour, but he did miss happy hour. So he kind of like was asking. Oh, you're victim blaming <laughs> <laughs> the murder victim. Damn. No, but it, yeah, it was, it's such a brutal kind of thing to, and I'm, you know, this is one of those storylines where I feel like you're going to get a huge gut punch down the line. Right. Because obviously he wants to do the right thing, but I, and, I, and I was kind of asking myself this after the episode, but I'm like, is it a good thing for him to tell him and come clean about it, or is it just going to do more damage to the poor dude? It's more painful, but this is why you can't, like, keep that secret and become his friend. You need to either go there and, like, you don't know him, but you admit it and you see how you can make amends. It was, like, it was too painful for him to come clean. So then he did the worst thing possible, and he... Just like befriended Yori, right? Because like carrying the secret around. Imagine, uh, and that you know, I'm I'm kind of thinking that this is the route that they're gonna go. Like eventually he'll find out, right? But that's that's like a brutal setup though, because like in order, to, if he comes to the realization that that's his son's killer, he's been breaking bread with the guy that murdered his son, and has been the reason for his like anguish for so long. It's 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 like um, it's such a like an inevitable disaster. Yeah, no good could come from this. Uh, he's never going to feel like Bucky's never going to feel better about it. And Yori is not like not like 10 times out of 10 would trade being friends with Bucky for his son back. Right. So nobody's winning on this deal. Uh, but that does bring up the point that was introduced in the beginning of Bucky's sequence what, with his making amends. And he's got this like long list of people that he needs to, I guess, put back together because his time as the Winter Soldier, he ruined their lives. I think it's a mix of like people that he helped put to power that he needs to get put back in check and people who he's wronged because Yori's name is on that list. And then there's also Zemo. So I feel like that's like two opposite ends of the spectrum there. What would, I guess Zemo would be more revenge for being framed like there's like he didn't wrong zemo but he also didn't put zemo in power no but maybe i mean i don't know i'm maybe i'm getting in my ahead of myself here but maybe zemo is somebody that has like has escaped during these five years and so he knows about it and is on his list i don't know i, I just i was reading through the list and a lot of them are like easter eggs to different marvel mob characters and other very df list villains uh, so it was just interesting to have Yori's name there and then Zemo. And I'm like, all right, well, clearly this isn't, and, and the Senator that he mentioned that he brought into power there. So it seems like it's a list of like a mix of people he's wrong and people that he needs to put in check. Well, maybe it's because of the events of civil war. Like Zemo was directly responsible for unleashing the winter soldier again. And then maybe he's, also holding him responsible for anyone that 
like Bucky's holding Zemo responsible for anyone that the Winter Soldier killed. Yeah, or he views Zemo as his responsibility to take down if he is harming somebody, because technically they cross paths, and if there's anything that Zemo kind of did, it's it's technically on on Bucky somehow. I don't know. I'm I'm maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it just the the format of the list was a little strange to me. Yeah, which is going to be interesting to watch because we know that from the trailers he will have a a role in this, whether it's going to be big or um. It might just be a minor one. It's really hard to tell who is going to be the big bad in this other than the Flag Smashers. Yeah, yeah. No Zemo in this episode, so no no setup for him. No. But there was one other character in this episode. A new Captain America? Yeah. Right off the bat. <laughs> um, wow. What a... What a... What a turnaround of the government to be like, hey, Sam, you did the right thing. Thanks for giving us the shield. Here, let's put it in this fancy little glass display at the Smithsonian, just where it's going to be for all of, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, and then hand it to a Steve Rogers lookalike. Like, when you say that we have Steve Rogers at home, this is what you have at home. (laughs) (laughs) We have a new Captain America played by Wyatt Russell. And no offense to Wyatt Russell, but his ears are protruding so much from the from the helmet that I was like, this Captain America's got some big ears. Yeah, it's one of the worst <laughs> fitting helmets because it made the ears pop out. And also, like, it cut off his chin so weird that he looked like the grandpa from Up. And I love the memes that are going around for it. <laughs> I've seen those too. They're hilarious. But <laughs> the the uniform strikes me as like, so this is definitely the U.S. agent character from, from the comics. Yeah. Because it, it's like the the little stripes, and that kind of make it seem like almost like a union, um, like a union soldier's uniform from back in the day. Um, the the I think the lieutenant garb had those stripes going down, but it it just to me it seems like it, it's it's such a weird. Um, now that you've seen somebody like Chris Evans don the costume, it almost seems like this guy's kind of like a pale shadow of that. You know, like he's not filling in the suit quite as well. Yeah, well, what's so hard to take in is we're experience, experiencing it with uh, with Falcon, who's watching it on the news. And everyone at the press conference is like cheering and clapping for this. And they're all happy about it. And then this is like, you know, Falcon, like I said before, has so much respect for the the moniker and like the mantle of it that he knew it was bigger than himself and that's why he gave the shield to the museum because he's like anyone could be captain america like we could all be heroes type of thing um and then to see it like land in this guy's hands who like a like a does he have any powers and b like does he have any respect for it like i've never seen this guy before why does he deserve the promotion (laughs) He gave me Homelander vibes. I don't know if maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I, you know, we we only got a wave out of him. We, we didn't did, it, so we did. But so knowing some of the backstory of U.S. Agent in the comics, so just to kind of shed a little bit of light on that character, yeah, please. Just just picture a very brutal, sorry, <laughs> picture a very brutal version of Captain America, and that's who U.S. Agent is. He's got no problem executing anybody. He's got nobody. He, he's he's basically a, a super patriot. 
he was very much like the most ruthless guy to don the Captain America shield. Um, so he's definitely not a traditional hero per se, nor do I think he's being set up to be. Um, it, but it, it's it's interesting to see a take on U.S. agent here, and I'm and that's why you know connecting this back to the earlier points I was making about the flag smashers. If we're going to touch touch on like the weapons plus program, if we're going to talk about like another serum going around there, I'm pretty sure this guy's got some sort of like super strength in him at this point. And I think it's directly tied to the Flag Smashers somehow. Like they're, you know, and, and again, like I'm just reading into this the way that Winter Soldier kind of played out because there's so many cues that this series is hitting that are very similar to that movie. Uh, but I think this is kind of the same thing where like maybe the, the government's involved with both of these um, points here. And what I mean by that is like maybe the Flag Smashers are a government produced threat. Yeah, I could easily see that being a plot line, just like um, in, like you said, Homelander in, in the Boys series on Amazon Prime. I, I think Homelander was you know, giving out Compound V, the basically the equivalent of Captain America serum, out to like terrorist organizations so that he would be needed to go fight them. Uh, so I could easily see them doing something like that. I just feel like maybe I think the flag smashers have their own MO and were already set up. I don't think uh, like the U S government organized them. I think maybe they're just like enhancing them. So then they have a reason to unleash the new captain America. It could be. Yeah. That, that, well, that's what I was more so thinking. Like maybe they're deliberately dropping the serum out there to kind of get the public on their side and see like, Hey, this is why we do need this for ourselves. Exactly. So it's interesting because the the whole speech that that senator or I, I don't know whatever government official that was uh, that was introducing the new Captain America his whole speech was very centric on like America needs this symbol America needs a new hero like it was very focused on America and I feel like part of the regret on Sam's face at the end was the realization that he literally just gave the mantle up to somebody that's likely going to be the opposite of what Steve wanted that mantle to be. Um, Because, like, Steve, especially in the MCU, was never portrayed as somebody who just went along with the government's plan, right? Because even from the first movie, he was always disobeying orders when he felt like what what he was being told to do was wrong. Um, and it wasn't any more prevalent than it was in Winter Soldier and in and in Civil War, where he didn't go along with what the government was kind of strong arming him to do. So, you know, the government essentially just got the mantle back, and is now <laughs> it's kind of the equivalent of selling your IP over to a company that's definitely not going to take care <laughs> of your brand. Um, I feel like that was the the regret and the guilt that he probably now feels because that look on his face was just like heartbreaking. Yeah. And also the fact that this guy is a poor replica of Steve, (laughs) like it's hard not to address that. It's definitely a race issue that they're bringing up in the show because you're right. The Senator or whatever his position is, his speech is all about like America needs to see themselves like represented and then they bring out this like standard issue white guy when it's like 
what was Falcon not good enough? Because like you're like the senator who said thanks for bringing this in. This belongs to the government. Uh, could have also been like you know it was handed to you. You we you should you should take up the mantle. Right, right. They're they're treating it as like it's it's government property. So technically, like we're the ones that are going to make the decision, not the guy that's worked his ass off at being cap his whole life. It is it is also. It's funny <laughs> when you call him knockoff Captain America. I'm thinking of like anytime you're purchasing anything on Amazon from third party sellers that offer you free shipping, it takes about <laughs> six to eight weeks to get to your house, <laughs> and it's nothing like the promo images say it is. Yeah. Um. It. I, I'm. I'm curious to see where they go with this story. Honestly, like, is the U.S. agent going to be an anti-hero? Is he going to be a straight-up villain? I don't know. I'm kind of hoping he goes the the route of Homelander from the boys. Uh, just because I kind of want to see that happen. <laughs> yeah, so this is only six episodes long, I think. Uh, told to be about six hours. So, and that's probably counting credits and all that stuff. So, each one's probably going to hover around an hour like this one, and maybe one will be long, a little bit longer. Uh, so, I guess this gets into predictions, but I don't know if he's going to be a major plot line. I think he'll probably be big in the next episode and then taken down in the third because a lot of the trailers are like falcon training with the shield so i feel like falcon won't have to take him down i feel like he's gonna fail in battle and then they'll turn to falcon after that yeah that or he makes another shield somehow <laughs> that i guess that's the other question too is like is that the actual shield that that Falcon handed to the government, or is that a new shield made from some other material? Ooh, that'd be tricky, right? That I, I don't, don't know. He would do that though. Yeah, but you're He's right. Like one of the most honest characters, next to, like, right after Captain America. Falcon? No, what what I mean is like, did the government give him the shield that Falcon handed over, or? Oh yeah, they... it was the same one. They like zoomed in on all the like, etching marks, that were like where the red and the white meat yeah that was such a sleazy move that's like the equivalent of like you know you're up for a promotion but like the guy that works the least gets it it really is um i i I agree with you though like i i think that i i don't know what his what his uh role is going to be but i i don't think it's going to be huge because of what you just brought up like it seems like falcon at some point during the promo material has the shield back who knows when that happens or how that kind of comes to be, but... Yeah, uh, on, honestly, that could be the last scene of the last episode when everything's finally resolved or something like that. So I just picture it more like Falcon will have to deal with, like, why didn't they choose me for a couple episodes and then somehow get the promotion and now be like, now I got to prove that I deserve it. Right. And that but, was more of like a training, like a Rocky training montage before the big fight. Yeah, could be. But but now with the introduction of U.S. Agent, we have U.S. Agent, we have Baron Zemo in this show. A Thunderbolt Ross is supposed to make an appearance. Uh, we know that the Black Widow movie is giving us Taskmaster. The, it's all these members of the Thunderbolts. So if I have any theory on this, I think, again, I feel like the series is going to set up that group for another show or another project down the road. But I feel like we're, we're continually seeing these seeds being planted uh, by Marvel here. So 
I'm excited to see what comes of it and how they use these characters into the next phase of Marvel projects. But um, honestly, if if the next couple episodes are the same, have the same vibe as this episode, we're in for a mini MCU movie every week in the traditional MCU style for the next month plus. So I'm excited. Yeah, I my only hope is like I I'm gonna avoid making any big bold predictions because I've definitely learned my lesson from WandaVision that it's probably not whatever the fans are saying. <laughs> so I'll avoid any like, oh, it's definitely this villain or whatever. But uh, my only hope is that these episodes don't get um, like overshadowed by what else is going on in the world or whatever else is going on in show release and movie release. Because this one coming out this, like the day after Justice League kind of took away from trending uh, timing. And then not next week, but the week after, is going to be uh, same timing as uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. And then Black Widow should be right around the same time as the last episode. So it's like, I still believe that this is going to be the best series, or my favorite series out of the three, WandaVision, this, and Loki. But it might just become a victim of bad timing, where it, it has too much competition at the time of its release. Yeah, I feel like this show might be one that people have to go back and, and take a look at after this season because it just seems like we're getting into movie season two. So I don't know what the chatter is going to be like online. And I feel like the reason why WandaVision had a lot of its chatter is all this build up and speculation that this show is probably not going to have so much of. So unless there's a big, big reveal, I kind of see it maybe being lost for a few weeks in, in the chatter around social media. But I do think it's going to pick up and it's going to have its own legs to stand on, um, especially if if this show does transition Falcon into the role of Captain America. The reveal of that suit is going to be too big to not have a big conversation on uh, towards the end of this series. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. But I think we're going to cut it there with predictions before we uh, you know, talk ourselves into a corner. But if you're out there and you have your own predictions or uh, you want to share your take on the first episode, whether you liked it, didn't like it, or what your favorite parts were, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at BTFourthWall, 4 being 4th. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.